Six common behaviors that kill relationships. Hey, I'm Antje Boyd, magnetizing mind expert for over a decade, and I'm really excited to dive into this topic. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Number six is the passive aggressive trap. What can happen is if you grew up in a household that was passive aggressive, for example, maybe you found your parents eye rolling, or maybe it was simply not safe to express when you didn't agree with something, you probably watched your parents or you learned yourself to be passive aggressive. Now, why is that? Well, because outright aggressive, making outright demands was way too vulnerable or it was way too, like, you know, aggressive, too violent, right? Too threatening, right? Or you would get like, uh, you would get basically like a feedback that was like not not necessarily the feedback that you kind of want, right? And so because of that, you end up being passive aggressive in your relationships. And that can go from like, you know, withholding sex, right? To like, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you know, one of my pastors said, fine means feelings inside not expressed. So what do you want to do instead is actually seeing like, okay, what do I really want to communicate? What is the vulnerable part inside of myself that I don't want to express, right? My mom, she would constantly get lost, right? Like I remember we would go to, like we would go like buy clothes, for example, we go to a different town and then she would just get lost. She would just like go into different stores, things like that because she, like without letting us know. So she would just disappear and we wouldn't know where she is. And so come to find out that was her passive aggressive way of to see, is anyone paying attention that I disappeared, right? And there's also, to the passive-aggressive nature, there's always like a little bit of a punishing aspect to it as well, right? And, you know, Jordan Peterson actually says that, you know, passive-aggressiveness is actually more damaging than outright aggressiveness. And I could not agree more because, like, passive-aggressiveness is like those little paper cuts, but hundreds, thousands of them on a regular basis, while outright aggressiveness can be like we talked about, right? Can be processed. Maybe the other person's going to be aggressive too. Maybe you're going to yell at each other. Maybe you're going to argue, um, debate it out, right? But then it's gone. Passive aggressiveness lingers, right? Because that unconscious resentment is never expressed and that would slowly kill the relationship. Now, number five is what I call the cold shoulder method. Now, in other terms, it's also called stonewalling, and this can particularly happen if you fall more into the, into the um, dismissive avoidant category. In other words, you're avoiding confrontation at any cost. You don't want anyone to hold you accountable to what they're feeling, right? To the impact, the emotions that you've caused inside of themselves, right? And then what you do, and a lot of women that come to me, that tell me that who are in a relationship with a dismissive avoidant, that they're being greeted with the cold shoulder method, right? And what that means is like, he just shuts down. You know, she's making the request. Hey, can you be more present? You know, I would love for you to be like home by 6 p.m., right? Um, you know, I would love for you to be more uh, connected, you know, um, you know, whatever. Like maybe there's like certain parts inside of him that he's not expressing. By the way, I will address it at the very end of the video if that's you, right? But it's like, he's just gonna kind of like, it's your deal. Like you have to deal with it. Like kind of like arms crossed, walking out of the room, withdrawing, right? And then of course it leaves the woman feeling that she's a burden, 
you know, that she shouldn't bother anyone, that her emotions are not worth anything, that it's not safe to express her emotions or safe to be seen. Now, if you fall into the category of like cold shoulder method and you're actually the one giving the cold shoulder method, you should really ask yourself, well, when you give someone a cold shoulder, right, when you go into stonewalling, essentially, it's like you're closing off your heart. Now, why would you close off your heart? It's because you actually don't feel safe. And because you don't feel safe, because you feel threatened, you put on a mask. So you want to really ask yourself, what is the emotion behind it? So for example, maybe your partner is saying like, hey, can you take out the trash more or whatever, right? Can, can you be there more for the kids? Whatever the case may be. And you start to feel a sense of insecurity. You start to feel like not good enough. And it starts to feel like it reminds you of your childhood and you don't ever want to feel like this powerless, helpless feeling ever again, right? That's where you want to start because how you transform that is actually learning, How can you cater to that young part inside of yourself, that little girl, right, who felt helpless, who felt powerless, who didn't know what to do, who made the wrong interpretations about the world? Because that's what she learned. She learned to generalize. She learned to make the the interpretation that she experienced in that moment, right, that she's unworthy, that she's inadequate, and all of these things. But nothing, of course, is further from the truth. So again, how you can do that is actually visualizing a part inside of you holding that little girl, loving her telling her something loving, being there for her, and for sure, not making her wrong. Number three, uh, sorry, number four, uh, goes along the same lines, the eye-rolling phenomenon, right? Like, oh my God, really? You know, I remember when I grew up and I was like singing and dancing. I have a standing desk right now, right? Because like, I love to move and all the things. And so I was expressing my life force energy, I was like, so I loved life. And I was like goofy and I was certainly not going to answer anything, right? Um, I was asked, like I was given private singing lessons and guitar lessons later on because I was discovered that singing was in uh, the genre of my talent and so on, right? But my mom didn't see it this way. Well, part of the reasons was, of course, because she was a narcissist. Now, narcissists, they can't have like their children be sort of like the light of attention. So they need to diminish their uh, their sense of visibility, you know, their sense of self-worth and self-expression. And one way how my mom did that was by eye-rolling, right? She was like, oh, aren't you seriously? Like, you're so annoying. Like, what? Like, can you just please just stop, right? Like, shut up. All of these things, right? So this is eye-rolling phenomenon. And so that can then translate, of course, into relationships. And when you do that, like, you're really sending to the other person a message like, your self-expression is not welcome here, right? I don't really want to see all of who you are, right? I don't really want to connect with all of who you are. You know, I don't really want you to be in your body, right? I just want you to shrink. I want you to just be like, you know what I mean? Just be quiet and, you know, all of these things. And then, of course, that slowly kills the relationship because a relationship flourishes when you bring out the best in each other and you also feel safe to experience the worst in each other as well. And how you do that is by being fully self-expressed, right? You're allowing yourself to be fully seen, not going into hiding, right? When like, oh, I have this like secret, like I have this like shadow. I can't like, I don't want to come off as too arrogant or I don't want to come off as like too, uh, you know, too inconsiderate or too rude or too full on a blank, right? And then essentially what starts happening is that one person in the relationship is not going to feel safe and it's going to say, 
this is this is not all of who I meant to be. I deserve so much more, right? And they will walk out because they finally feel worthy enough. And that's how the relationship will usually end. Number three, this is a really important one. Number three, the superior-inferior game. Now, this is what you can experience with a narcissist for sure, also with a with an insecure man. And how that happens is the superior-inferior game is being played in many different ways. One could be to actually bring you down to build you back up, right? To make you feel bad about yourself, right? But then like actually saying, you know what, like, yeah, I mean, you don't really look that great in those pants and you don't, you know, I would lose a little weight and hear that, right? But like, hey, but I love you. I love you anyways, right? So it's kind of like I put you down, but then I built you back up, you know, but like the emphasis on like that I built you back up, like nobody else will do that, right? And so that's one way. It's, of course, a super messed up way how a man puts himself into a superior position, and of course, women can do the same thing. Absolutely. I'm just like saying I'm helping single women to attract the right men on this channel here. But of course, women can do the same thing, right? Now, another way how this can happen is also like, it's like slow, like sort of belittling in public, right? Just like sort of making like little condescending jokes in front of friends. You know, one thing that one of the guys that I did a, a dated back in the day when I lived in Germany, he would just like make like little like condescending like jokes in front of his friends, right? And of course, because I learned boundaries, I actually said, you're never going to do that again. And this is like part of why our relationship, quote unquote, dating experience ended because I it, like that's how it ends, right? Because like at some point that person that's being put into the inferior all the time and so the other person can feel better about themselves because they actually feel small. That's why they have to put you down in the first place because they actually feel small. They actually have low self-esteem, right? They actually don't have a lot of like um, attention or connection or all of these things, right? But you do. So then they have to find a way to make you feel inferior and insecure about yourself. Now, one thing that you want to make sure, even when you go on dates before you even enter a relationship, so that that doesn't happen, is also being mindful, like, how do you talk about yourself? Are you being apologetic all the time? Are you prefacing? So prefacing would be an example. Hey, you know, this may sound like a little funny right now, but what I want to mention to you is that my favorite color is yellow. And, um, you know, like, no, don't preface it. Like, because now you're telling him, oh, hey, I'm open to be judged because I'm sure you would judge me. And so I want to make sure you don't judge me. Which then, of course, he will judge you. And he'll be like, oh, cool, this is an opening right here, right? Oh, this is like an empath. Oh, this is great. This is a people pleaser. So found food for the narcissist, right? The narcissist is the host, uh, sorry, is looking for the host. The narcissist is the parasite. And so again, you want to like eliminate all that kind of language. You don't want to apologize for yourself. You know, you also don't want to make yourself small, right? And be like, ah, that was nothing, you know? No, you want to actually learn to fully receive the compliment because narcissists are actually testing you in that way, right? They will throw you off a little bit, right? They're like, oh, hey, um, actually, I'm not 35, uh, I'm, I'm 32, not 35, and I'm actually not this, but that, and, you know, but I want to see how you respond. And so there's all those like little mind games. And so if all of that already happens in the beginning, girlfriend, put your cute running shoes on and run the opposite direction, learn something from the runaway right. Number two is the performance pattern. So what women can do is they can say, okay, hey, 
So my performance pattern, my high achiever pattern, right? My self-discipline, my ability to organize myself, my drive, right? That has gotten me to where I want to go in business. So, hey, let me just translate it into dating. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Now, really cool show to watch there is, um, is Dating Around. It's a reality TV show. It's dating. It's almost more like a documentary. And in that documentary, there's one woman, like per season, it's like one woman or one man, just kind of like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And she goes on dates with several men. And it's cut like as if it's like one evening, but obviously it's several evenings, right? And in one episode, it's really interesting. You really see how the woman sort of goes into this like performance pattern. And what I mean by that is she just kind of goes through more like, oh, hey, where did you go to school? And like, oh, hey, where are you living now? And oh, hey, where did you go on vacation? And just kind of like just asking questions to so asking questions. So she goes into performance mode. And it's really interesting because the man has a different energy before she asks those questions. And the second she asks those questions, he actually shifts. He's like, oh, time to perform. Okay, well, I went to Harvard and I studied this, right? And it causes not connection, but separation. Because now we're just meeting each other's representative, which I'm sure you've heard that term before. And you go into a performance pattern. And then what happens is after a while, it will kill the relationship. Because there's not going to be enough room for intimacy and for showing who you really are. Why not, you should ask? Well, the reason why you're leading the performance pattern in the first place is because you have a lot of judgments towards the partner patterns inside of you, right? That part that maybe feels vulnerable, that part that feels like, you know, a little silly sometimes, you know, that part that's actually like emotionally expressed, you know, um, but you have a really hard time owning that emotionally. And you don't want to come off as silly, you know, you don't want to come off as immature, right? You don't want to come off as ridiculous. You don't want to come off as crazy. And because of all of that, you're going into hiding, over and over and over again, right? So it disconnects you more and more from your partner. And eventually it kills the relationship because there's not enough trust and authenticity and interest built. And eventually the relationship will hit a plateau, so they call it. And plateau just means, you know, that's just not expression. There's not enough expression. There's no ability to go outside of your comfort zone because there's just too much codependence and eventually it stagnates. Now, what you want to do instead is, or I already alluded to it a little bit, be yourself on the first date. Like say, hey, I'm a little nervous right now. I'm meeting you for the first time, right? Or like, oh, you know, um, you know, that made me really sad, like sharing about how I just lost my, my, my dog or, you know, just let him feel your emotions. Because research actually shows that men don't judge women who have emotions. Men don't even judge women who are like insecure in that moment, right? But where they get weary is when the when they feel like the woman wants to like protect herself and she wants to cover something up and she's not expressing something. Then the man gets kind of anxious because he's like, what's happening? Am I just making this up? Or is she like not safe emotionally? Or does she not like me? And what should I say? What should I not say? And it causes separation because he's now going into his head. And I always say, go into your head, you're dead, and get into your heart, you're smart. You know, it's funny. It's like one of our former clients like told us that years and years ago at the workshop. So really cool. Stuck with me, right? Get into your heart, you're smart, right? But how do you get into your heart? It's by connecting authentically, emotionally. And don't laugh it away. Don't make fun of it. Don't roll your eyes. Things like that. 
you hand a man a resume from the get-go and he will reciprocate it in similar ways. So show up who you really are. Number one, this is like one of the most common ones, I would say, that killer relationship is placating strategy. And what that means is it's your fault. So we have like two different categories, right? We have the self-blaming category, but it's always my fault. And that oftentimes takes place when you grew up with a narcissistic parent. Also, of course, many grew up with a, a dismissive parent, an avoidant parent. And what that is, is like, it's my fault, right? Like, it's my fault. Like, I should have done it better. And this is also how you end up in a superior, inferior trap. Now, with the other one is the opposite. That's like, it's always everybody else's fault. So if placating is blaming, it's always somebody else's fault. So when you feel vulnerable and you feel helpless, you need to blame someone. You need to create some sort of level of certainty. And how you do that is by blaming your partner. Right. So are you blaming? Are you complaining? But then when somebody's asking you, why are you complaining right now? Like, are you like blaming me? And you actually realize, um, yes, but I don't really actually have like mm, a justification, right? Because it's not really your fault. It's not really something you could have done. And I will have to vulnerably admit that's been like one of my Achilles heels. You know, I saw so much like my mom blaming my dad, my dad blaming my mom. I and mean, it's just like this blaming game. It was just crazy, right? And it's funny enough with my parents, I never saw that one person was actually taking the blame. Like they were just blaming each other. And so for some reason, I started to uh, model that, right? But then when I actually stop and my husband is saying, wait, are you blaming me right now? And then I realized like, how could I blame him? Like, how could he make this situation better? Like, it's, it, you know what I mean? It's like nobody's fault. Or I guess it's nobody's fault or everybody's fault, right? When something didn't get done, but it was the accountability of like everyone. So it just goes down back to communication. So oftentimes when we go into this blaming game, what's really happening is for one, maybe we're upset at ourselves because we didn't communicate. Or maybe we're upset at ourselves because we made an assumption and maybe we had an internal dialogue. That actually told us, hey, can you just like send a text message to Martin real quick and let him know that you can't pick up the kids today? Oh, yeah, no, he knows that anyways because he saw that in the calendar, right? So it's really funny how we're like just constantly uh, making up, assuming, make an ass of you and me is what assume means, right? So we're assuming that all the other person knows, you know, and, you know, nine out of ten times they don't. That's where the communication breakdown happens. So that's what I invite you to do, right? If you're in that camp where you're like just going to blaming the thing is, like, it's it could erode the relationship, right? Because at some point, the other person is going to say, "Girlfriend, you got to take some responsibility here." It's not always. I'm not. I'm not the black sheep here. I'm not the scapegoat every single time. That doesn't even make any sense. And where's your own sense of self responsibility? So something to keep in mind with that, right? And again, the way how you avoid that is by really looking at where am I feeling vulnerable? What am I hiding? What do I wish I would have done? Why? Right? Where am I mad at myself? And then forgive yourself accordingly as well and adjust your behavior. Now, for those of you who stayed until the very end, here's the bonus, imbalanced archetypes. Now, this is interesting. I read a story a couple years ago and this woman was like, everything was great. We were married for like, I don't know, 15 years or whatever, 10 years or 20 years. It was something like that, right? Everything was great. We were both pastors or ministers or whatever, had kids and then just... I made one mistake, like something happened at the beach. I don't know, his, his beer was not cold when he came out of the water, something like that. 
And he just totally flipped. And he's like, you know, this, I can't deal with this anymore. And I'm over it. And like, I can't believe this is happening. And just, he just completely shut down. He never gave her access again. And of course, now you want to ask yourself, right? She's like, I don't know what happened. It just like flipped, right? And I'm like, well, actually, it didn't just flip. What happened is we have different energies inside of ourselves, right? We have the little boy. We have the king. We have the, I'm just saying from the man's perspective, right? We have the worker. We have the lover. We have like all those different parts inside of us. And what usually happens when a partner is walking out, out of the sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, it's usually because one archetype, one energy inside of himself get completely starved, completely like just just ignored, like maybe for the whole marriage. And so this could be, for example, like maybe he wanted to really grow and he never really put that much emphasis on his magician because maybe, um, I don't know, maybe the woman was like very codependent and she's like made, always made him feel guilty and he can't leave the house or whatever, whatever, right? And then eventually it's like, I got to do something else, right? Like, and this is like also when we talk about the midlife crisis, all those things. Who else am I, right? What identity am I not expressing of myself and so on? So you really want to make sure, okay, where are the archetypes? And one way how you can do that is by, and I have a whole video about all the archetypes on this channel too, Um but it's actually regular check-ins, right? Like even you couldn't even do this from the second, third date on because it's super fun. Just like, oh, hey, so tell me more. Where's your king at? You know, oh, what's the king? Oh, the king is the one who has the vision for life, who is on purpose. Oh, okay. I would say like an eight or so, right? Like what about the little boy? What's the little boy? A little boy is like the one who's like just knows how to have fun, be spontaneous, creative, love life, right? Other things. Oh, like maybe a two, because I'm really working super hard. I'm like a high level attorney and like I'm just flying all over the world, making massive deals with uh, multinational conglomerates, things like that, right? So just really seeing like, okay, where are his archetypes, you know? And then also like, where are yours? Where can you express yours more? So then it automatically gives him freedom to express his. To give you an example, when my husband and I got married, I said, with this ring, I set you free. So all of these parts, mostly the wild men, who actually want to be free by themselves, just hang out with men, all of these things. I will take a stand that if that's neglected in our marriage, like that I will remind you that I will give you opportunities, right? That I'll be like, hey, babe, I'm noticing getting a little frustrated. Is it possibly because your wild man's needs are not met? You know, do you want to go... Uh, to go on a retreat, you know, with a couple of guys or by yourself or whatever. Um, so that's one way how you can make sure that you're actually um, preventing such outcome. Now, if you want to learn more about what are some of the common behaviors that kill relationships, how you can prevent that, how you can have an absolutely incredible relationship, then take my free love pattern quiz at getlovequiz.com or simply click that link below. And if you haven't watched so already, next watch, when a man deeply loves you, he will start saying these five things. Lots of love to you, ladies, and I will talk to you in the next video.